Chapter Twelve of The Old Ladies by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: The House Is Abandoned. The man moved forward into the light. He looked about him in puzzled fashion. Is there anyone here? Then, as there was no answer, to himself aloud, "There's not a soul about, but the candles are burning." He looked over the table and saw the old lady crumpled up on the floor. With a step, he was across to her, had her in his arms, was stroking her forehead and crying, "Mother, mother, it's Brand! Mother, mother, old lady!" He gazed about him distractedly, then heard the dripping of the tap clear through the door that he had left open behind him. In another moment, he had a cup in his hand, was in the passage, had filled it, and returned. He picked her up and laid her gently on the bed, took out his handkerchief, and damped her forehead, stroking her tiny hands with his big ones, whispering to her. She stirred, opened her eyes for a moment, and closed them again. He heard her murmur something. Then she felt the strong, warm pressure of his arm about her, resisted a little, then, still without opening her eyes, settled back against his chest with a little sigh of contentment. There was something very boyish in the look of distress and anxiety and love that he bent upon her. He was impulsive and forgetful, warm-hearted and generous, but living for the immediate hour, unsubtle, knowing nothing of analysis of character, loyal, quickly angry, nothing mean, nor small, nor jealous. A little of this you might have guessed from his broad, ugly, good-natured face, his large, loose body, the kindliness of his eyes, and something proud in his gaze as he looked down upon her. He would do anything for her now that he had her in his arms, but that did not mean that he had not gone on, carelessly, happily, without worrying in any way about her for three years or more. She opened her eyes again, and very slowly, realization crept into her heart. She started away from him, saying confusedly, What? Uh, who? Where am I? The familiar things about the room first assured her, then she saw the body of the dog. Oh, I remember. Someone came in. She looked up at him, his large, brown, rather chubby face, the eyes startlingly blue, the hair receding, but fair and thick. She broke into the full triumph of her discovery. It's Brand! It's Brand! Oh, it's Brand! She began to laugh hysterically, buried her head in his rough tweed waistcoat, her hand feeling blindly about his neck, then pulled his head down to hers, kissing his eyes, his mouth, his cheeks, his ears, his forehead again and again, running her fingers through his hair. It's Brand! It's Brand! Oh, it's Brand! That's better! He caught her in a great hug, lifting her right off the bed. Almost he might have done it with one hand, as though she had been a little gray sparrow. That's more like it. I frightened you in coming in. It was a silly thing to do, now I come to think of it, but like most of the things I do, the thinking came afterwards when it was too late. Now, old lady, let's have a look at you. What have you been doing to yourself? You've vanished to nothing at all but she could pay no attention to his questions. She could only say over and over, It's Brand! It's Brand! It's my son! It's my son! But here, he remonstrated at last, laughing, we've got to begin to be sensible. What on earth are you doing here, anyway? What are you doing in this miserable room, and you look half-starved? But she could pay no attention to his questions. 
She gazed into his face as though she were quite crazy, her mouth open, her eyes wide staring, her hands moving ceaselessly about his body, his hair, his face, his shoulders, his chest, his hands, her fingers touching and holding, withdrawing and clutching again as though she would never be sure of this new reality. And he, looking at her, discovered something of what he had done in leaving her for so long without any word. A passion of love caught him. He put his arms around her, held her close, whispering, "'Darling mother, darling mother, I've been a bad, neglectful son, but I've got you for keeps now. We will never be separated again.' So they stayed for a while, but Mrs. Amherst was no melting sentimentalist. She drew away from him at last, and looking up at him with the old sarcastic smile that he had known so well as a small boy, and had been afraid of, too, said to him quite sharply, "'And so, at last you've had time to think of your mother. I fancy you're just dropping in for five minutes on your journey somewhere else or another.' "'Well, we must be thankful for small mercies, I suppose.' This opened the second stage of their proceedings. "'Now, mother,' Bran said, raising his long, heavy body from the little creaking bed, "'it's about time we began our bit of talk. You come along to this chair. Why, what's the dog?' And then more quickly, "'The dog's dead.' "'Yes,' she said, "'he died ten minutes before you came in. That's one thing that had been upsetting me. It's been an awful day.' She gave a little shudder. If you hadn't come... Poor little beggar. Was he your dog, mother? Had you had him a long time? Look here. We'll put him over there by the window. He picked up both the dog and the cushion and took them to the end of the room. He settled his mother in the armchair, tried one of the other chairs for himself, and found it impossibly small, pulled a pillow finally off the bed, and settled himself on the floor at her feet. Now, he said, looking up at her... Strange how quickly an old familiar action can override the years. The touch of her fingers upon his hair slew twenty years at one blow. We've got to talk seriously, madam. And first, I suppose you would like to know why I came here frightening you to death without a word beforehand. Indeed I would, she said. I remember when you were a child of five, telling you that you never thought of others. It's true now as it was then. "'What a thing to tell a poor child,' he answered. "'But scold me. I deserve it. I deserve it horribly.' His voice fell to a graver note. "'I've been a cad, mother, in this a perfect cad. But you'll understand it perhaps a little bit better, although there's nothing to excuse it, mind, when I tell you that I have been picturing you comfortably at Cheltenham with your friends and that little house with the garden you told me about, and old Mr. Somebody the parson and young Mr. Somebody else the banker. I thought you were having no end of a time.' "'So I have been,' she murmured, "'having no end of a time.' I haven't had a letter from you there for the last ever so long. It's true that the last I had was from this town, but I fancied you were here on a visit to your cousin or somebody. Then I myself was always expecting to come home. Did you ever get a letter I wrote from San Francisco just about a year ago? Yes, I got it. It was delayed a little, but I got it. That was before I went down to Los Angeles. I'd had the world's worst luck before that. Things were always on the point of coming right, and just did not, and then that illness in San Francisco topped everything. I ought to have been home a year and a half ago. Anyway, down to Los Angeles I went, 
and the luck turned as i hoped it would right bang in my direction has stayed there ever since and looks like staying what were you working at dear oil and land are the things there of course my little exploits are pretty small at present but if the place develops as it seems to me it's bound to i stand to net a mighty pile anyway i've made enough buying and selling in the last six months to settle you comfortably for the rest of your days old lady it never occurred to you i suppose she asked that a letter or a telegram to say that you were coming would have been natural and decent to tell you the truth mother he burst out kicking out his long legs towards the fire i was all excited with the idea of bursting in upon you you see i saw you all set and cosy at cheltenham having the vicar in to tea many and many a time i pictured it to myself you sitting there all cosy with the curtains drawn and the kettle humming and the cakes and bread and butter on the table and the vicar telling you how good his last sermon was oh you know and me bursting in upon you like a bomb why i meant to give you the fright of your life but i didn't think it would be like this whatever's been happening where's your money gone you had plenty last time you wrote to me plenty she smiled rather scornfully into the fire that's not exactly the word i'd use i don't suppose you ever gave a very great deal of thought to the amount you were never much for details don't ask me what has happened to it all everything just went down and down that's all i know that's all i ever could understand from mr agnew he used to try and explain technical things to me i know some of it had to do with railways but the trains always seemed to me to be full whenever i went near a railway station but stocks and shares are beyond me and i've a kind of idea they know i don't like them by the way they run away from me he was serious enough by this time behind her light tone he was beginning to suspect something of what these last months had been to her how long have you been here he asked her sharply in this house these rooms i'm so late as i came because i missed the train in london we got into southampton early this morning i went off to london the quickest possible got some money and came on to cheltenham i wasn't there half an hour the post office told me where you were they had forwarded a letter they told me only a week or so ago i was lucky enough to catch the train on and here i am but how long have you been in these horrible rooms tell me oh i don't know she answered smiling long enough to want to get out of them get out of them he cried springing to his feet in a fury you shan't stay in them another hour by god you shan't that was so like him she thought looking up at him lovingly and a little sarcastically too to leave her for so long without inquiry and then to be in a passion of rage at facts to which he had himself contributed no imagination he never had had any and that was strange when his father had had so much not like his father at all with his square thick-set head his ugly nose his loose big-limbed body she adored him so as she looked at him that her hands moved with a little flutter of desire they had rested quietly on her lap and rather dryly she said and suppose i don't want to move within the next hour i suppose you've been ordering about people in america to such an extent that you think you can do the same to me but you've never ordered your mother about yet and it's not likely that you'll begin now although i'm seventy and more i'm not in my grave yet how quickly they were recovering their old relations 
he found himself already beginning to defer to her to fear ever so slightly but nevertheless sufficiently the accuracy of her sarcasm and to adore in her as he had always adored her independence and courage it had not been with him at all out of sight and out of mind but it was easier for him to realize things and people when they were directly there in front of him he was realizing the old lady more strongly with every moment that passed and beginning already to wonder how it was that he had managed for so long to get on without her he was walking about the room looking at the furniture asking questions but tell me mother you haven't really told me a thing what made you choose this place is there anyone else living here was that your dog i must know everything oh you must must you i shall tell you only as much as is good for you as a matter of fact there were three of us up at the top here two other old ladies beside myself but poor miss beringer died last night of heart failure and that's her dog brand whistled died did she that can't have made things any more cheerful he looked down at the dog poor beggar missed his mistress yes lucy amherst's lip quivered poor may oh i wish she'd lived just for a little while and now that you're back you and i the tears filled up her eyes she turned from him bending her head and her arm in a passion of sobbing at once he was with her his arms were around her he held her close to him why mother what's the matter here old lady bear up it's all right now the trouble's all over we are going to have the most glorious time it's all right it's all right i know i i know she sobbed but but may it was my fault she died of fright and i might have stayed with her and and if you hadn't come i, I too I, I was so lonely and agatha payne coming in like that and the money going and no one caring oh brand if you hadn't come i know i know i've been a beast a cad a brute i'm so selfish i deserve shooting i'll never forgive myself for this the trouble with me is that I never can realize anything unless I see it, but I've learnt a lesson. She pulled away from him, smiling, wiping her eyes. You'll be just the same a month hence, you know you will. But I gave birth to you, so I suppose I'm responsible for you in a kind of way. I'm not going to think of these last months ever again, although I am seventy-one and I'm going to begin life all over again." indeed you are he cried and you're going to begin it by leaving this house within the next half hour we'll go to the best hotel in polchester tonight and tomorrow london and the first thing i do when i get to the hotel she told him will be to order a hot water bottle i wouldn't like to tell you how i've longed for one all this winter you can have a hot bath when mrs bloxham comes and lights the heater and all the rest of it but every night i should think not mrs bloxham who is she brand asked and of all the miraculous and stupendous surprises who should come in at that moment but mrs bloxham herself oh mum she said pausing at the doorway and becoming accustomed to the candlelight after the deep dark of the stairway i couldn't help coming to see how you was getting on i was just giving bloxham his tea when i said to him bloxham i said i'm not half comfortable in my mind about that poor mrs amherst with miss bellringer dead beside her only a yard or two away and i put on my shawl and come right across if it would make it easier mum 
then she saw a man why lord bless us she cried who's that come in mrs bloxham and meet my son he's come all the way from america to look after me why what do you make of that cried mrs bloxham bran this is mrs bloxham who's been kinder to me than anyone else in the world if it hadn't been for her i don't believe you'd have found your mother alive at all Brand gave Mrs. Bloxham so warm a greeting that she was more confused than she had been for many a day. She spoke breathlessly, with deep sighs intermingled, as though she had been running for a mile. Why, to think of that, and all the way from America. And I always knew he was coming, didn't I, Mum? When you was losing art, I always thought different. Why, Mum, I said, of course he's coming. Do you think a fine, upstanding young man like that is going to leave his very own mother without a word? with your mother thinking all matter of dreadful things that you was dead and buried and what all and only this very evening there was a stranger in bloxham's tea which i pointed out to him as certain to mean something good well glory be to god and all the way from america and you're looking fine and healthy sir if i may say so and the very spitting image of your mother too all this was very pleasant and happiness reigned there's a thing you can do for us mrs bloxham brand said and that is get us a cab in about twenty minutes my mother isn't going to stay in this horrible house another night i'm sure you're right sir mrs bloxham said pulling herself up a little but as to horrible i'm not so sure i've looked after all my ladies to the best of my strength and it's been none so easy neither with bloxham uncertain in his habits and three children which the youngest flossie is always catching one thing and another poor worm i'm sure i've a-done my best and all of them stairs to climb and two corpses within a six month of course it ain't like a hotel and you couldn't expect it to be with one of these old-fashioned houses and the water having to be eated every time there's a bath which takes hours and hours all the same i'm sorry not to have given satisfaction and me workin morning and night as you might say seeing that bloxham is often not in of a night till three in the morning mrs amherst put her arm round mrs bloxham and kissed her on her crimson cheek you've been an angel to me mrs bloxham my son meant that the house isn't very bright and cheerful and you know yourself you've often said so happiness was restored mrs bloxham departed to discover a cab and now what am i to take and what am i to leave mrs amherst cried looking about the room you're to take nothing but what you'll want for the night and for a few days in london brand answered we'll have the other things sent on and the silver matchbox said mrs amherst hello who gave you that my cousin he left it me in his will is that all he left you stingy beggar oh no brand there was no reason why he should leave me anything when she had placed a few things in her bag she knew that there was something further that she must do she must go in and say good-bye to agatha payne how she shrank from it that other world she had abandoned it forever oh surely forever to return even for a moment filled her with dismay but go she must wait here for me brand she said i must go across the passage and say good-bye to my neighbour she looked at him with longing you won't be gone while i'm away will you he hugged her and kissed her i won't move he assured her i don't trust you she answered nodding her head at him if i don't keep you in sight you may be in america she knocked on agatha payne's door and entered within it was as though some spell had been removed 
always in that room with its close air obscurity and old green picture she had been conscious of discomfort and apprehension now because all was at last well with her and she had passed back again into her own natural kingdom of light and air and happiness she saw only an old woman rocking herself before a fading fire a shabby tablecloth scattered with dirty playing cards a guttering candle but something had happened to mrs payne as she turned at the sound of the opening door lucy amorous could see that she was ill her cheeks flabby and grey her eyes wandering and excited something of her own fear was returning oh thank god thank god that so soon she was escaping agatha she said gently i've come to say good-bye agatha payne continued to rock herself as though she had not heard i've come to say good-bye Goodbye. Where are you going? My son's come, Brand, and you said he wouldn't. She could not keep back that tiny triumph. You see, I was right after all. He came this evening. We are leaving in a quarter of an hour. Don't bother me with your nonsense, Agatha said. I'll believe in your son when I see him. No, but it's true, Lucy Amorous persisted. He's in my room now. We are going to a hotel for tonight and to London tomorrow but the other woman was pursuing her own thoughts. Lucy, she said, come here. Mrs. Amherst went close to her. Agatha Payne laid a hand on her arm. Listen, do you hear anything? Lucy listened. No, nothing, she said. Don't you hear anyone knocking on the wall? No, but you must. Listen again, do you hear now? No, I don't. But it's quite clear. There. Now, can you hear it? She's mocking me because I did it to her. She'll be at it all night. It's the tap you hear, Agatha, the tap in the passage. You are always a fool. She gripped Mrs. Amherst's arm more tightly. Now you can hear it. One, two, one, two. I'll beat her at that. I'll beat her. She lurched to her feet and, leaning forward, knocked on her wall three or four times, pausing between the strokes. She looked round, a grim triumph on her sullen face. Ah, now, she thought, that will keep her quiet for a while. Lucy Amorous moved away. Agatha, there isn't anyone. Truly, there isn't. You're imagining it. She had a passionate desire now to leave the room. Brand, all the life he had brought with him, was receding. He was less real. Agatha Payne was real, and they did not belong to the same worlds, Brand and she. Agatha, listen, you must listen. I'm going away, now, at once. I must go away. Agatha Payne turned upon her. Going away? Oh, no, you're not. What? Leave me in this house all alone with that Barringer woman? Oh, no, you don't. You try it, that's all. But I am. I must. My boy is here. Agatha moved to the door and set her back to it. You don't leave this house, not while I'm alive in it. Mrs. Amorous felt panic, as she had felt it earlier in the afternoon, slip over her. Where was Brand? Oh, why had she left him? If she called to him, he would not hear. What should she do? And she was worn out with the troubles and the joys of that day. No strength was left in her. I must go. Please, Agatha, my boy's waiting. Your boy! Agatha Payne answered scornfully, That's a trick. I know you, Lucy Amherst. You are always a little liar. No, but it's true. Come with me into my room and see. You'll feel better in my room. It's staying in here all day by yourself that's so bad for you. Come with me and meet him. 
i won't come she answered sulkily and you'll stay here we'll stay here all night the two of us and when she comes she'll have two to deal with but it isn't true agatha she can't touch you she's dead she is indeed dead i know better than that you're a little liar lucy amorous that's what you are no come with me into her room you can see say a prayer with me beside her bed you won't be frightened any more after that come with me her fear had left her its place was taken by pity something in agatha payne's eyes something lost wandering hopelessly lonely touched her very heart she went to her and kissed her agatha payne moved from the door you can go if you like she said i don't want you you can't help me she'll never be afraid of you you feeble little thing tell me some way i can help you something i can do i don't want your help she went back to her rocking chair and sat down you can't help me it's between us and i'll beat her yet she sat there rocking staring at the fire she did not look round again and so lucy amorous left her brand was waiting the cab's here he cried everything's ready now old lady step out and the sooner we leave this place behind us the better mrs bloxham was downstairs the cab was waiting something that brand placed in mrs bloxham's hand at parting gave her exceeding joy she shed a number of her happy and facile tears the old cab stumbled off across the cobbles brand put his arm about his mother and drew her close to him she had for a moment a vision of the house dead with blind eyes and in that upstairs room a woman alone waiting and listening no sound anywhere but the dripping of the tap in the hall then her own joy wrapped the rest of the world away from her oh dear she murmured sighing with contented peace is it right do you think to be so happy end of chapter twelve end of the old ladies by hugh walpole